I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the We Are Podcast. This is your host, Jared Pugar on DK Sports Radio. First and foremost, it's Thong Weekend at Penn State, uh, one of the best philanthropical uh, student-run charities in the country. Um, and if you so choose to donate, you can go to donate.thon.org. It's a great opportunity to support um, children fighting cancer uh, and, and, and children everywhere. Um, but aside from that, it's been a pretty big week on campus for the Nittany Lions as the last building has been a buzz. And it's been a buzz in a multitude of ways. So on the inside, winter workouts have begun not just in the weight room but on the field as well. So the Nittany Lions have, have hit the field there going through the, the rigors of, of winter workouts, early workouts, getting, those, uh, getting back to the game um, that everybody loves and that everybody wants to play this spring as far as getting to spring ball. So you're one step closer to that now, which I think is, is great compared to what the, at this point, um, what we thought we would be in. So there are a bunch of different storylines to look out for as, as winter workouts have begun. You've got the quarterbacks. There's only three on scholarship. So you, that's, that's crazy to think of it. Um, after the way that the season ended with their going, there was going to be, a quarterback competition between Sean Clifford and Will Levis. Now, obviously, that's not quite the case with Levis having transferred. But how can Sean Clifford rebound? Can he come back to the to the play that he had when he was uh, when he played in 2019, his first year as a starter? Is he going to be um, overtaken by somebody behind him, or even in the transfer portal? There's so much that still can um, that still will figure itself out um, as spring ball nears and as spring ball goes on so it'll be interesting to see how that goes I think that's a that's a position group to work uh, look at I think also and, and this is going to be down the line because of the way that the transfers have been with um with Eric Wilson but also how you replace Wolf Fries and and Michael Mennett on the offensive line I think that's that's a way that you can you're going to look at and see how they can handle that and I'm not sure that, that you do that very easily Will Fries is one of the one of the uh, most versatile offensive line Penn State's had in in recent memory, and now you've got a guy like Michael Menon who's a three year starter at center. That's a lot. That's that's quite a bit of experience and leadership, um, captaining that offensive line. And when you have that, I mean that's that's a lot to replace. So I think in house you I think Juice Scruggs is probably the the most likely to to take over at the center role. I think that keeps everything kind of in place. Uh, as as much as it can compared to how the season ended last year, um, so I think that's what they will do internally. And then I think Eric Wilson's going to get a, a chance. The transfer from Harvard once he steps foot on campus in uh, during the summer uh, after his spring semester at at Harvard ends, I think he's going to be uh, in the in the mix for right guard. I think that would be an excellent opportunity for him. You got Caden Wallace at, at right tackle. 
left guard Mike Miranda and left guard um, or left tackle uh, Rasheed Walker, who are all returning uh, this year. But the biggest thing, obviously, it's going to be an excellent opportunity for them um, to step in and, and compete for those things. But the biggest thing, I think, offensively speaking for the offensive line, these guys get a full offseason under Phil Troutwine. There is no position group that has to be focused more on technique and and just drill work than offensive linemen. Obviously, running backs, quarterbacks, receivers, it's not to, to disagree with anything that they do, but you can rely a lot on athleticism at those positions. But with the technique and, and everything that you need at the offensive line position, that's the group that needs to practice the most um, in the offseason. And I think that now that they're going to be able to get as normal of an offseason as possible um, with Trout Wine, and with those guys, I think it's an excellent opportunity for them to grow and and build on what they've had at the end of last season when they were actually blocking and creating holes, which is something they failed to do at the beginning of the year. I think moving forward, that's going to be a position of strength for the Nittany Lions, uh, even with with the addition of Landon Tangwall, especially um, early, with the early enrollee joining the Nittany Lions for workouts um, as it stands. So that, I think... Uh, offensively speaking, you have the quarterback position, how Clifford's going to re- respond to Mike Yersich and his new offense and how Yersich is going to build that offense around the playmakers they have, like Parker Washington, like Kevon Lee, like Sean Clifford, and like Brenton Strange or Theo Johnson at the tight end position. And I think that's what to look for offensively as we get into can- or get into the, the really deep parts of winter workouts and as they get those that field work um put in. But I think also you look at the defensive side of the football, they're hiring a they're hiring a uh, safeties coach. Now, as of right now, what it looked like to me according to social media is that Terry Smith is leading the charge on both sides or on in the secondary at both the cornerbacks and safety position. And and rightfully so he, he would be the best bet internally to handle that right now until they get somebody hired. Now how James Franklin goes about hiring is is to be determined, but it's gonna have to be somebody I really wouldn't even worry about necessarily coaching the guys up. I mean, development's always going to be important, but somebody that can go out and recruit and go out and recruit the Midwest and upper Midwest, kind of like a Michigan or, or in those areas, like Tim Banks was able to do before he took the defensive coordinator position at uh, Tennessee. So I think that's an excellent opportunity for Penn State to bring somebody in uh, that's that's going to be a monster recruiter because you've lost in in Tyler Bowen on the offensive side of the football and you've lost him and Tim Banks now, who are two big-time recruiters for the Lions. And that's tough to replace no matter who it is. So you've got to be able to come in and, and replace that. Now the E-returns, Jonathan Sutherland, which will be, uh, which, who, who will benefit from Lamont Wade being gone. And also Jaquan Brisker, who was a pro, uh, PFF first-team All-American uh, first all, uh, all this year based on his play. So whoever is the coach is going to inherit – a talented group of safeties. So that I think is important as well. But you look at the linebacker situation, not much has changed. Lance Dixon is obviously uh, no longer a part of the program, but defensive line speaking, that's where you have to replace the most. You're replacing uh, Antonio Shelton. You're replacing Jason Owe. You're replacing Shaka Tony. Those are big time names to replace, obviously, Tony and O.A. Are, are off to the NFL draft. And then you've got Judge Culpepper, who's transferring to, to, to Toledo, and then Shelton, who transferred to Florida. 
So you have to replace those guys, and I think Adisa Isaac is going to be a guy that can that can fill that void at the edge, uh, on the edge, and I think that's going to be huge for him. I think some of the the transfers that they got um, are going to be huge for the Nittany Lions as well, because when you lose that type of depth, I think that's that's obviously never a good thing, um, but. You know, these guys aren't they're some of them are are going to the pros. The others are, are kind of laterally and then for Culpepper he went to Toledo, which I think is obviously a step down from the Nittany Lions. So that's going to be um where they a position where they need to, to kind of come in and, and, and make an impact earlier. And that's that's really where it where it needs to be. So when you look at stuff like that, you I mean you talk about um the the breadth and the, and the depth of the defensive line, that's where you're rotating guys in every so often. So I think that's huge. Um, now, this is this is year two under John, John Scott Jr., and I think that's big too. I mean, obviously, like I said um, before, they've landed two transfers, and Arnold Ibikity from Temple, who was a defensive end, I think he has a good chance and a good opportunity to line up opposite of Adisa Isaac. Then you've got Derek Tangelo from Duke, and the only returning starter on that defensive line is P.J. Mustafer. So I think Tangelo has an excellent opportunity uh, to compete with playing time inside early. But also I think Hakeem Beeman is an internal uh, player that has the opportunity to step up and, and step into that um, advanced role. But that's, that's to be determined with the way that things are going to play out. Who knows? But with that said... It wasn't just on the inside of the Lash building that, that got the news and the raves this week as there were some announcements made regarding the entire Lash football complex at Penn State. And we'll get to that here in the next segment. But until then, let's take a short break and I'll be right back. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Like I mentioned in the first segment, it wasn't just on the inside of the Lodge building in Huluba Hall that got the raves this week as Penn State announced they would be renovating the Lodge football complex uh, thanks to a 48, in a, in a $48.3 million um, investment in the football facility. So obviously it's a COVID year and say what you want about spending money egregiously uh, on football facilities and athletic facilities. But at the end of the day, Football is the front porch of most universities. It's what generates revenue. And at Penn State, the Penn State Athletic Department is self-sufficient. So they don't, they don't rely solely on at general funds from the university to operate. And Penn State football is a big factor in that. And when that happens, you know, it's a situation where you, you do what you can to make more money for the university. Now, they've already raised $8 million for this facility. The rest is going to be inherited debt and, and what have you. But 
when you're competing with the Clemsons, the Ohio States, the Michigans of the world that have this endless sort, these endless sources of, of revenue um, and donations and donor support, it's huge. You have to be able to compete and you have to be able to, it's an arms race really facility wise uh, at the collegiate level. It's who's, it's not the necessarily the academic experience. I think a lot of co- colleges, they could care less. Right there, a lot of students, student athletes, are there to be athletes. Uh, let's let's be real. We can call a spade a spade all we want, but at the end of the day, how many of these universities are truly in it for the right reasons, as far as their athletes are concerned, um, as long as it's helping their bottom line. But you look at a team like Penn State, and and the last building was built in 1999, so it's not a relatively old building by any means and they've renovated it quite a bit since James Franklin and his staff um, have been there but when you have financial shortfalls because you haven't been allowed to have fans in or or this that and the other thing you have to be you have to be cognizant of the way that it looks so you know it's a situation where you you're putting this in front of the board of trustees and yeah athletics are the front porch of the university so you have to do what you can to make money and and bringing kids in and getting those guys is huge. But there are, there are six – the vote passed yesterday on the Board of Trustees, and six people voted against it, and, and rightfully so. I, there is no right or wrong, I think, in, in, this op, in, in what's going on uh, with this facility. It was voted to approve it, which is great. Excellent for the student-athletes at Penn State, both now and in the future. But – you know, it's a situation where you have a guy like Jay Paterno who said no. Jay Paterno coached football at Penn State. Uh, you can say what you want about how good of a coach he was, uh, but that's neither here nor there. But he he was a guy that, that quoted his dad. Uh, my former boss used to say, football is here to serve the university, not the other way around, he explained to the board. Um, football is part of life, not life itself, and, and rightfully so. But, you know, in a 27-6 to 6 vote, uh, it it's – it's the first phase of what is a $69 million overhaul to the Latch football building. And it was kind of tabled because of COVID, but now it's an opportunity. You know, you, ha- you have to do what you can to improve your facilities because the less, the more time that you wait, number one, the costs are going to be driven up. And number two, you're going to fall behind in recruiting. And obviously the recruiting situation is, is, not ideal right now with with football or with athletes not able to take official visits so you're doing these things virtually and and it makes it a lot difficult a lot more difficult to to get it taken care of but you know it's it's a situation where you know you have to do what's best for the university short term and long term and short term yeah this is going to help it's going to bring people to the university it's going to drum up uh, more donations and, and eventually they're going to pay it off. And Penn State's not in dire needs of money by any means. I mean, they're not going to be hurting for quite some time. But, you know, when you have a situation where you're not getting fans in and you don't know what that's like, that's a tough give and take to kind of figure it out. But it's going to be an, an opportunity for the Nittany Lions to, to put themselves in the upper echelon once again of facilities in situations like that, because at some point, Beaver Stadium is going to need renovated, right? You look at it, and you can tell every piece of concrete and every piece of steel and aluminum that was added on to the facility from the first time that it was built all the way up to now. And when you look aesthetically at it, 
Does it look appealing? You know, from the outside, it's not too bad. Inside, you can see pretty much everything. So they're going to have to modernize Beaver Stadium, I think, uh, in the near future as well, which is is coming along the lines too. So there's going to be a lot of money um, invested into the football program. Now, the football program, they've got to keep that success going. Obviously, this year, I, I think, was a fluke at 4-5. and five, Obviously, they won the last four games of the season, which is great. They started out an abysmal 0-5 uh, for the first time ever. But it's a situation where you've got to be able to, to build on that. You have these facilities. You have everything that you need to have success. Now you have to go out and make it happen. And can James Franklin and company do that? I think they can. But, you know, you look at a lot of the situation um, here with the, with the new facility, it is going to be some more details on it. It looks incredible. It looks absolutely incredible. It's an 18,000-square-foot expansion to the weight room, a new 7,400-square-foot 7, lobby entrance, and a suite that houses a life skills program designed to help players transition through their careers. So that is what they're calling the fifth quarter. So that is going to help the high school seniors transitioning to be college freshmen, um, transition to college and the college lifestyle um, with their studies, with their academics, with their athletics. And also it's going to help them as they are seniors or getting ready to depart Penn State in gearing up for the real world should they not go to the next level um, as far as football is concerned. So it's one of those situations that, you know, you have an excellent opportunity to to build and put a thing in there or put more stock into your football program. But it's got to be a situation where it's got to lead to success. You know, you can have the, all the bells and whistles you need, but the product on the field is what, what matters the most. That's what's going to put people in seats. That's what's ultimately going to make you the most money. So, you know, you look at this, and obviously the strength and conditioning aspects are great. It's going to have a new hydrotherapy pool, sports medicine upgrades, portable x-ray machine, which will be awesome to take between the Lash Building as well as Beaver Stadium and wherever else athletics needs it. Um, but it's going to be uh, a very interesting to see how this translates to success both in recruiting and into uh, success on the field. Because to me, the thing that matters the most is, are the results. You can have the dingiest of weight rooms and be successful. I know for the longest time, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had a weight room that was in a trailer. Um, and that ultimately, when that was Tony Dungy was there. Um, so you, you look at situations like that, you have to make the most of what you got. You have all the bells and whistles. Now you got to put the results in the field. And it's been quite a bit of time since Penn State was in contention for the Big Ten Championship. So that's another thing that you have to look at too. So, yeah, the facility upgrades are, are going to be excellent. But now it's time for, for Penn State football to put its money where its mouth is and translate that to success on the field and in the win column competing for Big Ten Championships and playoff berths. And if they're able to do that, then it's an investment well spent, and and it's going to even drive up interest in the university even more. So it's a it's an excellent opportunity for Penn State to build on what they've got, and and drive up more interest in not only the program but the university as well if things develop the way that they should. But for now, that is all that we've got for today. I appreciate you listening, and I hope you all have a safe and healthy week. For myself, Jared Prugar on. 
the We Are Podcast and DK Sports Radio. Thank you and have a great week.